Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 241 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. And our episode today is a discussion of continuous improvement, auditing, and testing of your ethics and compliance program. Well, hello, everyone. Greetings from Sicily. Um, And it's great to be here, uh, still working from Sicily, enjoying the hot weather, the beautiful scenery, and, uh, of course, Italy. And uh, I thought I'd turn to a more technical issue today, one that sort of I think doesn't get enough attention, but I think the Justice Department is going to turn to uh, soon in terms of pushing compliance programs, uh, in terms of their continuous improvement, their auditing and testing uh, procedure. Uh, But before we get started, let's hear a word from our sponsor at Diligent. Diligent is the time-tested, award-winning provider of automated governance, risk, and compliance solutions. For over 20 years, Diligent has helped boards and C-suites to design and implement effective governance practices through its market-leading board application. Diligent has now expanded its offerings to include risk, compliance, and audit solutions. Building on these new and exciting capabilities, Diligent now offers the critical capability to connect boards, C-suite, risk, compliance, and audit teams to promote purpose-driven leadership. Building on this capability, Diligent provides a full suite of complementary services including risk management, ethics and compliance, environmental, social, and governance, and proactive auditing strategies and practices. Diligent solutions enable companies to implement robust corporate governance to mitigate and manage risk, create a culture of ethics and compliance, ensure that company controls are audit-ready, and implement tailored and responsive ESG solutions. If interested in exploring Diligent's unique complement of solutions, please reach out to Diligent at its website, www.diligent.com. Well, uh, I wanted to turn to this topic just because there's uh, it, it's something that doesn't, I think, get enough attention. And uh, I've always said that chief compliance officers have a lot of issues to balance on their plate. And uh, they, it's kind of like balancing multiple objectives at the same time. But one of the hardest things, I think, to accomplish is to continuously improve your compliance program on a real-time basis. So if you review the Department of Justice's evaluation of corporate compliance programs, there's more than a mouthful of requirements designed to ensure that CCOs are monitoring the performance of their programs, ensuring effective operation of each element, while simultaneously testing and auditing uh, the compliance program to ensure that it is nimble, nimble and capable of adjusting to new circumstances or performance weaknesses. And we have numerous examples of how rapid the risk environment for companies can change and the need for CCOs to respond. When COVID-19 hit, companies faced enormous operational challenges ranging ranging from business disruption to workplace safety and eventually balancing remote working risks into the mix. Or consider Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine and the immediate aftermath of reputational, operational, and sanctions compliance risks. 
The Justice Department and various regulatory agencies continue to emphasize the importance of uh, continuous improvement, testing, and review as part of robust assessment procedures in an effective program. Even OFAC at the Treasury Department has stated that sanctions compliance program should include, quote, a comprehensive, independent, and objective testing or audit function, close quote, so that a company can determine how their program is performing and should be updated, enhanced, or recalibrated to account for changing risk assessment or sanctions environment. So an important part of every compliance program focuses beyond the design and operation of the program to the important issue of whether the program itself is working. So in this respect, DOJ uh, and regulatory agencies have noted that CCOs should be striving to develop continuous monitoring systems and avoid snapshots in time. Uh, in this framework, DOJ expects companies to maintain compliance programs that constantly evolve. And by definition, an effective program will uncover compliance program weaknesses or even deficiencies that require swift responses to mitigate and restore the program to effectiveness. Now, I have been an advocate for years on the importance of a proactive compliance program in contrast to a reactive co compliance program. And a uh, proactive compliance program focuses on six consistent principles. One, detection and prevention of misconduct. Two, collection and monitoring of real-time compliance and financial data. Three, identification of risk factors. Four, monitoring incidents, reporting, transactions, and control compliance, five, interventions, and six, remediation and prevention. These principles, if implemented, stand in stark contrast to reactive compliance priorities. So let's talk about how do we monitor a compliance program. Frankly, this is a topic that requires more than a single podcast. Frankly, books and podcasts can be organized around this topic with helpful ideas and guidance. Let me try to synthesize some of the important ideas that may be helpful. Let's take, for example, we all know that many companies monitor their third-party risks by subscribing to data services as part of, risk man of a risk management platform that notify the company if an adverse event arises as to a specific third-party distributor, vendor, or supplier. Well, let's move beyond this and focus on what information generated by a compliance program should be monitored on a continuous basis. A shorthand for this task is building a real-time compliance dashboard. And that's going to be subject, uh, subject for an upcoming webinar that I plan in September and a blog series that I probably will run next week. But in terms of relevant information, continuous monitoring functions can be built around two types of source material, quantitative, that is data, and qualitative. When making decisions in this area, the evaluation of information sources should be prioritized among the companies, along with the company's risk profile. What are the most significant risks facing the company, and how well are we mitigating these risks? 
Based on a gap analysis, we can then prioritize the topics to focus on when monitoring, monitoring works and, and how we should do that. Within the quantitative categories, we need to design data collection and analysis of relevant categories of information. A compliance program generates significant information and tailoring that data is important. It's easy to be overwhelmed by the amount of data that a compliance program generates. And you need to sort of focus to make sure you don't get burdened or overwhelmed by that information. For example, assume we have identified our third-party risks as significant and that the business adds a large number of third parties over the course of a year. In response, we should monitor the onboarding process to determine where and what types of third parties are onboarded every few weeks or month. As we build up this monitoring data, we may determine that evaluating the risks and operations of these new third parties in relation to our existing third party population may require more frequent testing and sampling of our third party risk population. To focus on this issue, we will collect and analyze the data for the new third party population, the country, expected financial revenue, whether there are interactions with government officials, the type of third party, and the presence of government ownership or connections to the owners. In some cases, we, we may request specific documentation relating to the due diligence process, the contract, and initial business transactions. By reviewing some business documents, we may be able to identify risks and potential areas of concern. On the qualitative side, assume the company maintains a high-risk third-party partnership program with regular check-ins with an internal manager of a high-risk third-party identified and assigned as part of a risk management program. To monitor the high-risk third-party, a compliance officer can interview the key manager, learn about any issues of concern, and encourage the manager to raise any issues that may arise in the future. On a broader scale and to drill down on these issues, companies may consider conducting compliance workshops consisting of managers and employees for a discussion of relevant topics and observations. Two other important techniques include surveys and focus groups. Internal surveys that are tar targeted to specific lines of business, countries of operation, or other categories may provide helpful insights. Equally valuable can be focus groups organized along lines of specific shared categories, countries, types of products and services, and other relevant classifications. Quantitative and qualitative information can provide a relevant picture of a business operation and its compliance performance. So let's go to how, let's discuss how do we use data and analytics in terms of these objectives and these programs. I always say that chief compliance officers are visionaries. They define a vision with multiple object, objectives and then they execute on that vision. At all times, CCOs have to maintain that vision and adjust as circumstances change. By definition, CCOs who have a line of sight across the organization must define their role and objectives through this holistic vision. In the absence of such a vision, CCOs will lo lose their focus and tend to fall into the minutiae of compliance, 
which is an easy and uh, difficult prospect if it occurs. Over the last five to 10 years, CCOs have embraced a new and valuable tool that is critical to their vision and responsibilities, the use of data and analytics. This may be the most important change to hit the compliance profession in the last decade. The challenge for CCOs is to determine how much to embrace, how much to use, and how best to leverage this data to increase the efficiency and effectiveness of their compliance programs. CCOs should avoid use of data for data's sake. In other words, they have to carefully select data, define how they use it, and make sure they are doing so efficiently. If a CCO attends to this tool carefully, they can make significant gains in their compliance program. And there are four important principles and steps that need to be applied. One, determine the specific information and categories of data to review. Two, establish measurements for each category or type of data. Three, collect, review, and assess the data while identifying trends, which is very important and evaluate the data, measure, and trend to determine a response. And this objective is directly tied to the source and types of data that can be generated internally or with an external automated compliance function. And there are a variety of automated sources of data generated internally. Let's take a few. One, third-party onboarding and monitoring. Two, financial transactions and controls, tenders, discounts, rebates. Three, transaction monitoring and sampling for anomalies. Four, testing for compliance with internal controls, financial and compliance controls. Five, training. Six, internal investigation performance and timeliness. And seven, gifts, meals, and entertainment. Automation and analytics provide an important opportunity for CCOs to design and implement a risk-based approach to monitoring functions. When a company is able to collect data from automated sources, a CCO can establish rules that may flag anomalies, require internal approvals, review patterns of activity, and generate red flags in response to certain trends, and then create a well-defined picture of business activities as part of the updating and evaluation of a company's risk profile. On this topic, DOJ has specifically raised the importance of conducting quote-unquote control testing. Whether the company has conducted testing of relevant controls, collected and analyzed compliance data, and interviewed employees and third parties on occasion to monitor performance. In this respect, companies have to develop procedures to track these testing operations and report to key senior managers and even the board on overall performance. To assess compliance with a control or set of controls, a CCO has to review relevant policy and procedures to identify specific controls that can be measured. This requires control mapping, or what I would call just plain common sense. A control can be broken into several elements. For example, approval forms, signatures, documentation, receipts, contracts, fair market valuations, import-export licenses or approvals, and many more. 
Two good examples are the third-party onboarding process and compliance with the applicable requirements for approval and reimbursement for gifts, meals, and entertainment expenses. Each of these functions can be broken into specific step-by-step -step requirements for compliance, including review, approval, documentation. Another area to consider is what I've termed organizational justice monitoring. In my view, organizational justice requires fair and consistent procedures built around five basic principles. One, procedural justice, time to close from report to closure. Two, equal justice, equal treatment of similarly situated violations and violators individuals. Three, transparency. Four, internal disclosure and communications and five, survey and measurement of perception of the internal justice program. Data should be collected on incidents and reports, initiation of an investigation, closure, time to closure of investigation and results of the investigation, including any disciplinary action taken. The data can be broken into important categories as to types of offenses and individuals involved, an officer, a manager, or employee. This information can provide important insights as to the overall performance and fairness of the company's justice system. So let's close with a quick discussion of continuous improvement and the principles behind it. Continuous improvement requires robust auditing and testing of a company's compliance program. The Justice Department and regulatory agencies have articulated a number of key issues and principles to assist CCOs and internal auditors in this area. It is likely to become an area for DOJ and regulatory agency focus. So the question boils down to is what steps does the company take to review its compliance pro program to ensure that it is not stale? DOJ noted with regard to this inquiry, some companies survey employees to gauge their compliance culture and evaluate the strength of controls and or conduct periodic audits to ensure that controls are functioning well, though the nature and frequency of evaluations may depend on the company's size and complexity. DOJ specifically referenced the United States Sentencing Guidelines language, whether a company has taken quote-unquote reasonable steps to, quote, ensure that the organization's compliance and ethics program is followed, including monitoring and auditing to detect criminal conduct and, quote, evaluate periodically the effectiveness of the organization's program. OFAC has made a similar statement. Uh, OFAC stated, quote, a comprehensive and objective testing or audit function within an SCP, Sanctions Compliance Program, ensures that an organization identifies program weaknesses and deficiencies, and it is the organization's responsibility to enhance its program, including all program-related software, systems, and other technology to remediate any identified compliance gaps. In the face of these important principles, companies have to look internally to assess their performance in this area. An important part of this function should be coordinated in part with the internal auditor. CCOs and internal auditors are by definition best friends, or should be, as part of an effective compliance program. 
Some of the testing and audit functions can be carried out by compliance and some by internal audit. There are several important issues to examine. A CCO and internal auditor have to develop a common audit plan for testing and assessment of specific functions, divide responsibility for the conduct of the audits, define the audit objectives and procedures, and determine the scope of relevant findings and remediation steps. In developing the audit plan and procedures, CCOs and internal auditors have to maintain a keen eye on high-risk areas and operations for heightened scrutiny. Uh, companies need to include specific practices to monitor and evaluate a company's culture. Also, it is preferable that a company avoid reliance on an enterprise-wide survey with general questions in contrast to what I've always advocated for, targeted surveys tailored to the division or region's specific risk profile, taking into account overall compliance performance. A specific culture survey can provide an invaluable picture of an organization's culture of ethics and compliance that may require an immediate intervention to prevent further deterioration and increased risk of misconduct. Well, that's, uh, those are my thoughts on uh, an important technical issue. Um, and if you need any other assistance or guidance with regard to the specifics of crafting such type of program, we do a lot of audits and testing for uh, appliance programs and clients, and we'd be happy to help you uh, as well. All the best to everyone. We'll see you uh, next week with another podcast episode. We're going to be looking at building a compliance dashboard, which I think will be interesting. And we're going to hold a webinar in September on uh, the same topic. But all the best from uh, Sicily and uh, Viva Derci to everybody. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com